churches. I come from the desert in New Mexico. And my first visit here was kind of like in February. It was cold. <laughs> and we were singing, Will Your, Will Your Anchor Hold? One of my favorite songs now, because I didn't know it even existed, because we never needed anchors in New Mexico. <laughs> and so it's, it's been a real joy just to, to walk alongside this church and just to love you and pray for you. It's a, it's a joy, and we thank you for, you know, being sensitive to your pastor and giving him a break. Being a bivocational pastor is tough, because you really get no breaks. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much for loving your pastor to give him this time. And, you know, with Bill, um, what can I say? <laughs> but I am going to take off my jacket because it's kind of warm up here. And um, I love about your opening, your family, right? This is, this is a, you know, we have family and then we have family. And so this, um, let me, so this is what we're about. Let me uh, share with you. I'm pretty interactive, okay? I'm not one of these guys that's, you know, I mean, this is beans and cornbread, my sermons are. It's not steak like your pastor's sermons. So, you know, I want you to, to just relax. We will stay within the scriptures. I know it says a lot right there, but we're going we're gonna to stick with that, and we're going to walk through that scripture, and I'm, I want us to bring to interact with this because I, I find scripture really fun to work with, to to read. And I'm gonna, as we're doing this, I just want to set the, the the stage of this. Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee. He's been teaching. A crowd of people gathered around him. He's in a boat. I don't know if it had an anchor or not, but. I think it would hold. <laughs> and so he's, he's teaching them, and he's caring for them. And the setting is, is that he is in the process of teaching them parables. Well, if you jump to um, Mark 35, 435, it says, And one day, when, when on that day, when the evening came, he said, Let us go to the other side. We're going to the other side. How many of you ever got in a car with someone and they say, you're just going with me? And you want to ask, where are you going? Right? As a, I have a former senior adult minister in um, Carlsbad, New Mexico. And we would have mystery trips. I would take 30 senior adults with me and not tell them where I'm going. It was a hoot. It was fun. Because they've never been anywhere like that. And I have some, you know, just thinking through this message, was it about the destination or about the journey? What we're going to discover in this passage is not necessarily about the destination, but the journey getting to the destination. Think about when you became a Christian on this side and on the other side, you look back and you go, wow, there has been some changes. 
there's definitely been character change. There has been change of, that you're not the same person you were five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You're different. And you can only know that when you're on the other side, right? Does that make sense? So let's, let's look at this. And so he said, let's go to the other side. And I'm thinking about if John was there, the Apostle John. You know, John was a pretty precise guy. Remember when Peter and they were fishing all night and Jesus said to him, fish on the other side and filled up the net. And Peter left the boat to go see Jesus and they were hauling this thing in. John was a guy who counted 153 fish. So I can imagine when he hears Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He probably wanted to know where on the other side. It's evening. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with him in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever in your life gone through a storm and say, Jesus, don't you care about me? We have all been there. Don't tell me you haven't, okay? Because we have all gone through storms. And those storms are kind of shaping us and molding us and sanding us off. And we're coming into who, to understanding who we are. And we're also coming to understand who Jesus is. Would you like to go back on the other side? No way. Was it a chore to get where you are here? Some of us it was. Because there's a lot of bending and breaking that has to take place. And here these guys have only been with Jesus a short time. They have seen him heal people. They've seen him. If you read the first four chapters of John or Mark, you will see them caring for others. In the midst of the storm, how many of you care for other people? And you ever get to the point of going, ah, I'm so tired. I'm giving and giving and giving. And then when we say one day, Jesus, do you really care about me? And notice what happens. He wakes up. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And he got up. And he rebuked the wind and the sea. Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And when he said to them, and he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Notice the response. And they became very much afraid and said to the one 
Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Do we think, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about the first chapter of John, and I'm thinking, how could John write about how everything was made through Jesus unless he went through the storm? Can you, I mean, is he sitting in some upper room writing the gospel of John? It's really a reflection of what he experienced with Jesus. And he's saying to them, you know, when Jesus is promised, well, let me ask you this. Where's Jesus right now? He's, he's on the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing for us? Interceding. And where is he in relationship to us right now? In our hearts. Right? And scripture says he's the same yesterday. Today and forever. Right? You with me? Now, if he lives inside of me, why am I like this? Have you ever asked yourself that? If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in the midst of the storm, he's asleep, do you think he abandoned them? No, he was tired. He'd been teaching all day. He loves those guys. Enough to rebuke them. Where's your faith? I'm in the boat. Come on. Get serious here. So as you, as you think through Scripture and stay within Scripture, but kind of think through this. Okay, why are they afraid? Well, they're, they're seamen. They're fishermen. They've been in storms before. But this storm must have been different. And had they not had Jesus in the storm with them and woken him up, would they ever discover that he could calm the wind and calm the seas? When you go through storms, what do you discover about yourself and what do you discover about Jesus? Is he with you? Yeah. Sometimes we have to change our behavior, right? Sometimes it's a storm that came and caused us to change, and we had to reflect and say, oh, man, I can't do this anymore. But it's amazing, in the midst of a storm, Jesus is with us. Now, let's jump over to chapter 5 of Mark, and I want to kind of walk through this with you. And they came to the other side of the sea, into the country of Gazarene. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains. Being bound and shackled, and chains, we tell them apart. They couldn't hold him, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and the mountain, and in the mountains, and he was gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, 
he ran up and bowed down before him. Let's just play with this section right here for a second. What was Jesus doing in first of chapter 4? He was teaching a group of people, right? So many group of people, he got into a boat so he could teach. Now then, they, they go all night, and they come to the shore of Gethsemane, and there's a man living in the tombs who is terrifying their neighbors, couldn't sleep because he's always yelling and screaming, cutting himself with stones. And when Jesus got to the shore, the man came running to him. Do you think Jesus cared about that man? Enough to leave a large group of people (laughs) for this one guy? It's amazing as you start looking at this. And Jesus saw from, and, and seeing Jesus from a distance, he bowed down. He ran up to him and bowed down and shouted with his voice, What business do you have with each other? Of what, we, what, what business do we have with each other? Son of the Most High God. Now, I'm thinking if I was Legion, the last person I want to be in front of is Jesus. I would have gone the other way. Right? Have you ever found yourself deep in sin? (laughs) And the last place you want to go is to church? Or pick up your Bible and read it? That's man's thinking. Because God wants you to come and ask for forgiveness. And he will take you where you are and he will help you. You understand? There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but there is in death. There's a way in which we think, oh, I can't do this because I've sinned and he won't have anything to. Look, he loves you. He wants everyone to know him. And they're having this conversation. Now, Jesus is having this conversation. And the man identifies him as the most high God. I implore you, by God, listen to this. Can you imagine this? Here's the devil himself, you know, legion. I implore you by God. (laughs) He is using God's name. I implore you, do not torment me. Think through this. And he had, he, for he was saying, for Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus had a dialogue with him. He said, and, and he was asking him, what is your name? And he says, and he said to him, my name is Legion, for there are many of us. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding in nearby mountains, and the demons implored him, send us to those swine. And so they may enter him, and Jesus gave permission. 
coming out of the unclean, coming out, the unclean spirits went into the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank, and about 2,000 of them drowned in the sea. Get this picture. There's this dialogue. This Satan, this demon, knows who Jesus is, and he goes and he says, don't torment me because of And then Jesus grants him permission to go into the swine, and the swine run down, and they are drowned. Now then, that's one aspect of this journey. But look at verse 14. A herdsman ran away and reported it in the city and the country, and all the people came to see what was happened, what had happened. And they came to Jesus and observed the man who was demon-possessed sitting there, clothed in his right man, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Whoa. Have you ever lived with somebody who's out of chaos, and they get changed in a moment? I wonder, let me wonder later, okay, (laughs) because I want you to think through this. The people, this guy has terrorized them. They couldn't even have a funeral, anything there without this guy showing up and terrorizing them. And all of a sudden, they come to where he is, and they see him. In his right mind and clothes. Notice what the response was. They implored him, Jesus, to leave the region. Wow. So Jesus denied them and stayed there and camped there for five days. Is that right? No. He left. But what did the man request to go with him? Can you imagine the 12 guys and others with him seeing this guy being delivered by, from, from Legion, sitting in his right mind? And you would think that this was going to be a, one of those guys who comes into the group. Right? He says, I want to go with you, Jesus. And Jesus said, absolutely. Right? He said, no. You can't go with me. Think about that. Jesus is telling this man he cannot go with him. But I want you to do something for me. I want you to go to your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. As a testimony to what God has done.
Now then, here's where you're going to be interactive. How much time do you think this man spent with Jesus? Scripture doesn't tell us. Okay? So I'm going to, I'm going to 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. Miss Theolo- Theologian. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> so this guy was changed in 20 minutes. They clothed him. And the people who he has been terrorizing for years is coming and seeing him in his right mind, dressed. They're terrified. And they say to Jesus, go home, get out of here. Hmm. 20 minutes. Let's give him 30, 30, 45. (laughs) Okay, I don't know. Doesn't seem long. So he went home to his family. And then did he just stop with his family? Scripture said he went to the ten Greek cities. Decapolis. This man was changed in a blink of an eye. And then he went simply with one message. This is what the Lord has done for me. Now this is where this gets really uncomfortable for you. How long have you walked with Jesus? You know the number one reason people don't witness? I don't know enough. Yes, you do. (laughs) You have your story. I can't argue with your story. I can't argue with your story. I was 26 years old. Was not raised in a Christian home at all. Came to know Christ and went to seminary at 27. I didn't even know what a seminary was. Okay? I'm sitting in church history and the guy is saying, the pastor, uh, Dr. Eustep was saying, now we're going to talk about the canon. Great, canon. C-A-N-N-O-N. And he makes a joke. It's about one N in it. That's how dumb I was when I went in seminary. Seminary didn't teach me how to witness. Seminary keeps you out of the bar ditches. If you know what bar ditches are up here, I'm not sure. (laughs) It keeps you in the middle of the road. But what gives us that desire is Jesus says, follow me. So these guys get in a boat, not knowing where they're going. Jesus leaves a group of people who he was teaching and they were learning all the way over here to a man who was living among the tombs. And he spends spends 45 minutes with him. He has changed. There was such a change in him, the people who saw him realized who he was and said to Jesus, get out of here. And Jesus gets in, hippoed, and goes. The question is, how long have you walked with Jesus? And do you have a story to tell? So let's, let's, do you remember what, you know, I kind of alluded to this. 
Jesus was a master teacher. In chapter 4, he talked about the parable of the sower and the seed. Right? And would you see this guy as being good soil or bad soil? We'd see him as bad soil at first. Yeah? That's what we would have seen, but what did Jesus see? He sees good soil. When we look around us and we look for that good soil, we're looking for people just like us. Are we not? Yeah. Are there people in this community that could be good soil? Yeah. And you go, well, I don't want to hang out with that person. I've got friends right now in Greece. You know who they're witnessing to? The prostitutes. I don't know. First time I heard that. They're, they're out every night. There's a bunch of them going from home to going out and witnessing the prostitutes and getting them out of prostitution. Good soil. Can you imagine their testimony? I'll tell you about one. Her name was Iris. She wasn't in Greece, but she was a friend of mine. She owned a bar in Houston, Texas. She was a heroin user, and she was a prostitute. And she loved to harass Christians. And so there's this young guy, and there's about four or five ladies living in a place. And this guy always showing up. And Iris finally says, why don't you come to our house and eat with us? And he said, okay. So he goes. Well, you know, they have some traps set up for him. Like they made spaghetti sauce with some substance in there and stuff so that he would, you know, whatever. So he comes to the house and he says, can I use your bathroom? And they said, sure. He was in there a long time. But you know what he was doing in there? He's unwrapping the toilet paper and putting tracks and wrapping it back up. All right? Well, when he came out of the bathroom, he laughed. And he said to Iris, I hope someday you'll become a lady. Well, this made Iris mad. And she had to go to the bathroom. And she's sitting on the commode, and she pulls down the paper, and here comes a track, and she's reading the track. She's a felon. And God has taken that lady and moved her all over the world. She's been on military bases, and I didn't know this until I talked to her, that if you're a felon, you don't go to military bases. Are you aware of that? No, I didn't either. And they would do background checks. I said, you can't be in here because I'm a felon. Well, I'm a friend of the general. She can come. And so she went, and she shared her testimony of how she was this person, and God has taken the seed, what you and I should be scattering, not picking, not picky of where we're going to put that garden seed, but just scattering the seed. You know, the next parable is a story about a farmer who gets up and scatters the seed and goes to bed, and that seed just sprouts up. He doesn't know how it happened. That's God's business. What's your and I, what do you think our business is? Yeah, 
Does this make sense? So let's talk about your story. Can you tell your story in three minutes or less? How I was before I became the Christ? What change he brought in my life? And how my life has changed? In three minutes or less, can you do that? Why not? He can. You could? Cool, Marcus. That is your story. Nobody can argue with you. You know there's people that God has already put around you to hear that story? There's one of the books that's where every lost person, there's usually ten friends. And within those ten friends, there's a Christian. What's that say about God? Yeah. But you know what wrong? Many of us are afraid to open our mouth. Now then, do you know Senator Dow? Anybody hear what he did on the floor of the Senate? When the right to life bill came? The bill about suicide? He stood on the field, on the floor, and said, Mr. President, said, I would like to address the body. And he gave his testimony. Well, the backstory is there, he wasn't supposed to be doing this. He wasn't scheduled to be this. But he stood up and he gave his testimony. And the people were going, Wow. So many times we're afraid we're going to offend someone. The gospel is offensive. Okay? But they will thank you on the other side when you talk to them. You understand what I mean? The other side? Because they are they were seeing, and I've got family members who are anti-Christian. I go see them. I stay in their house. I don't talk about Jesus. And then they kind of go, you're different. I go, yes, I am. And I tell them why I'm different. I don't preach at them. They have to start the conversation. So as you look at this story, and you see what happened is that Jesus left a group of people for one person. Many of us want to be the lead guitar in a band. Right? (laughs) Or the drummer, in this case. (laughs) But nobody wants to be one who just quietly comes alongside and says, you know, I've watched your life, T. And are you ever get sick of your life? Will you let me know? Because I can tell you about Jesus. He'll change your life. Now, T's a believer. He's a great music guy. Love his music. But that's what it takes. It takes individuals today. Now, Maine is 3% evangelical. What does that mean? Out of 1.3 million people, there is, I'm not big in math, but about 35,000 believers. To me, you are precious in God's sight. The third parable that Jesus tells is about the light. The lamp. 
Do you ever see yourself as light? Do you ever see that, that in this dark world, God has placed you in your neighborhood for a time like this to be the light? Is that not cool? You know, we look at the stars and we go, man, you know, we said, I don't see, I mean, there's some mystery there. It's all planted there. And sailors know how to, how to, how to negotiate by the stars. Okay, I have yet to find the Big, big Dipper here. In New Mexico, I can find the Big Dipper, but here I haven't found it. <laughs> I keep looking, but it's in a different place because we're in a different rotation. All right? But as they were scattered, God planned them for purposes, and he has planted you for his purposes. Read Acts chapter 17. He put you here, not by mistake, but on purpose. To be the light, to be the casting of the seed, and not to pick the top soil, the best soil, but just to be a man and a woman of God, being willing to open your mouth and say, I have a Savior who loves you more than anything in the world. What do you need to do? You need to be able to tell your story in three minutes or less. Why three minutes or less? Because that's all you're going to hear. They hear the word Jesus first. They shut the door. Well, my life was like yours. It's all kind of chaotic. You know what chaos is? You don't, I mean, did you know there could be a change? Really? Tell me about that change. Well, this is what my life was like. Now then, I've struggled with this as, as a, we have 24 churches, and, you, and you, you're one of the 24. We probably have about 2,500 believers in our churches. What would happen if the 2,500 told one person? Oh, wait. Let me think through this. Remember the people in this city, this town, who said, we don't want to hear it? Get out of here. And he gets in the boat. You know what happened in chapter 6 of Mark? Jesus comes back to the region. You want to talk about change? They said, Jesus here. So we got sick. And they brought him to them, and he was, they were healing things. There's a whole different atmosphere based on one man's testimony. What could happen in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your friendships, if you were able to do? Say one thing. That'd be cool. Is God through saving people? No. (laughs) If he was, we'd be closed. (laughs) I want to challenge you today to think through this. We're going to get through before 12. I'm not going to beat this dead horse. (laughs) But I do want to challenge you. We're not responsible for how people respond to us.
We're only responsible for casting the seed. They're going to reject you because they rejected Jesus first. And if your identity is wrapped up in being rejected, get over it. I'm a fisherman. Not a good fisherman. I catch fish, but not a lot. And those days I catch nothing, I just break my rods and I just throw them away because I'm not going to fish anymore. Right? No. I go back the next day and the next day and the next day hoping to catch more. When somebody rejects the gospel, I continue to love on them. I continue to say, let me tell you about this relationship. It's not about church. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this man in gathering found. A relationship with Jesus. Can I go with you? No. Go tell what God has done for you. Guys, as you leave this place, he challenge you. It had been maybe 20 or 30 years ago that you accepted Christ. Go back and recount that. Remember the day when you accepted Christ. Never forget it. How your life has changed. If it's only been a short time, one thing you do, if, don't, when, if they, somebody in the community comes to know Christ, don't bring them to church. You know why? What if Jesus said, get in the boat, come with us? The accomplice would not have heard of them. See, one thing we do, we take the, the person who accepts Christ, and we want to protect them now. What you do, you pat them on the back and say, Susan, go tell five of your friends what Jesus has done for you. And then we'll meet next week, and you tell me the responses. And then you slowly bring them in. But what many of us do is bring you in here and we start, we say, no, no, don't hang on to those people anymore. Within six months after somebody comes to know Christ, the friends have left them because they don't want to be with them. You got a six month window. Pat them on the back and go say, tell your friends what Jesus has done for you. Does it make sense? This is why I'm saying this is the Beans and rice sermon. But it's a challenge for you to become what Christ has called you to be. Follow me. Be a fisher of men. Cast a seed. And I will let it take root in places you can't even imagine. If you're faithful to cast a seed. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. It's a privilege that we have to look at your word and to see how alive it is. How these men, who these 12 men plus others, have just walked alongside of you and, and you told them the truths, you broadened the base and they were all equipped to say, tell about Jesus. I pray for this group of people today that you awaken their salvation story. 
And if their love has grown cold, that you will will blow in their heart, warm their heart. Let them fall back in love with you. And let them be bold today and the rest of the week and the rest of their lives to share what Jesus has done for them and leave the results up to you. We thank you for this group. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this family. And may you richly bless this. And thank you for Pastor Jason and his family and how they have grown this body. Because it's because you've added to it and you have strengthened this body. Thank you. We give you all the praise and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.